Wasn't that music great this morning? What a blessing. Tony. That was fantastic. They just did a great job. Thank you so much, all the musicians who chipped in and worked hard to get all that stuff together. Pardon us as we kind of move things around. Welcome. Glad you are here. It's going to be a great day. We're excited. Hey, look, I want a new car. So I'm going to me some car keys. I hope it's a nice car. This is going to be awesome. Oh, man. I thought somebody loves their pastor. Getting him a car. Man, that's awesome. Good to see you this morning. Glad you are here. I'm pulling double duty, as you can see. Uh, Chris, who normally helps us out, he's gone this weekend, so he's gone for the weekend. And um, so I'm kind of doing a bunch, but I really appreciate those that helped out and jumped in. We're going to continue our series entitled, I Quit. And I know it's kind of a different topic, a different series. Get my head on this, so I'm going to move this. Doug is tall, isn't he? Man, if I could only... One day, in heaven, when I get a new body, I'm going to be that tall, okay? So that's the one requirement, slam dunk in heaven, okay? All right. Welcome. We're glad that you're here. I've said that a couple times now. If this is your first time here, you are our honored guest, our VIP. Uh, we're so privileged and honored that you would come. We are about seven and a half months old as a church. We're brand new, just got started. I was talking to a person the other day, and they said, hey, when you started the church, uh, how much money did you guys have? We're thinking about starting a church, and how much did you guys have? And I said, honestly, man, I'll tell you the truth. We kind of bet the farm. We just kind of, um, I got a good wife, and she let me put all on the American Express card. Put about $11,000 in the card, and we just planted the church. And God has been good ever since, and it's been exciting. We paid that off, and the church has been moving forward. So you are a part of really just a work of faith. That's really what this church is. Each and every Sunday, each and every week, it's just a, it's just walking by faith. Asking God to provide. Asking God to sustain. Asking God to do what we can't do. We can't do it. But he can. And that's what we believe around here. And today is Test Drive Sunday. You say, that's kind of a gimmicky title, isn't it? Well, we believe around here that if we can get you to church, we believe God will change you. We believe God will help you. We believe you'll be encouraged. You'll leave feeling better than when you came, we hope. Or if nothing else, you at least got free donuts and coffee, okay? So hopefully you grab that in on your way in. We're excited that you are here. We make no pretense about church, that we're the one and only church. We're not that. We know that there's several other churches. We know there's others you could choose from. But we're glad that you are here, and we believe this is a place where God wants you to grow. And if you decide that this is a church where you, you would enjoy, we, we make one statement that I constantly tell everybody. We want you to go where you'll grow. It's so important to go where you're going to grow, where God can feed you and speak to you and mold you and help you. And so this morning, we believe that this will be a helpful time. And I believe this morning's message will be one that I hope will set you free from some things. It was a convicting message. I, t I tell you often that I preach out of the outflow of my own life, what God's teaching me, what God's dealing with me about. I don't want to just kind of come and get some sermon, just kind of dish it out to you, something that I heard, something that I listened to. But I want you to get something that I believe that God has for you this morning. Like I said, we're in a brand new series. Last week, we talked about I quit. And when we talk about this thought of I quit, many times we think, you know, quitting's a bad thing, right? I can't just go quit my job. I can't just say, hey, I quit being a parent. You know, I can't just walk away. It's a bad thing. And most of the time we would say, yeah, it's a bad thing, except for the reality is there's a lot of bad habits that you and I have picked up that we do need to quit. Last week we said, I quit being a fan. We said too often we know a lot of people, they're interested in Jesus. You talk to somebody on the street, hey, are you interested in Jesus? Most of the time they won't have a problem with that when you say, are they interested in Jesus? Are you a fan of Jesus? A lot of people are like, yeah, man, I'm a fan of Jesus. But we discovered that it's not enough just to be a fan. We need to be followers. 
Luke chapter number 5, verse number 11. The Bible says that Jesus got into the boat. The boat was Simon Peter's. And he told Simon, Simon, launch out. And Simon launched out. And then verse number 11, the Bible says that Peter forsook all and followed Jesus. And the key statement is that word all. Not part, not some, but all. He forsook all to follow Jesus. He said, in a sense, I quit being a fan, and I now become a follower. Deeper commitment. And we dealt with that. Well, this morning, I want to deal with the subject of, I quit comparing. You know, today, more than ever, I think if there's one problem that's going on, is we live in a culture of constant comparison, don't we? Everywhere you look, everywhere you go, it's so easy to start comparing. I went into a Gold's Gym. Some of our members here, they go to the same Gold's Gym. And I walked in there, and I'll tell you what, all, it's just too hard not to compare. Just like, man, their biceps are so much bigger than mine, you know. Um, their pinky's about the size of my bicep. And you just start comparing. Or it doesn't even, I don't even have to go to the gym. I could just turn on the television, and I start comparing, don't I? Oh, man, if I just had that car, man, it'd be really nice. You kind of look out the window, oh, man, my car. And then uh, your neighbor gets something new, and you start comparing with your neighbor. Oh, their grass is so much greener. Man, i got to do something about it. i got to fix that. Or you start looking at somebody else at the workplace. Man, their job, their office, their raise, their salary. And we just start comparing, comparing, comparing. And we just go across the board, and our mind goes crazy. But get this, we don't even have to leave our homes to really compare these days, do we? With the click of a mouse, all of a sudden, I can start comparing. You say, how? Instagram. Instagram. Or there's Pinterest, Facebook, Twitter. All of these social media outlets, all they do is they create this culture of comparison in my life. I'll give you an illustration. It was last thanks, uh, Valentine's Day, and I decided that I would make for my wife something very special. Uh, she likes crepes, but I wasn't just going to make any old crepes. I decided to make her the, um, uh, the, the red velvet crepes with the cream cheese filling and everything. And so I stayed up real late making. I didn't want her to know. So Valentine's morning, I bring them breakfast in bed. And so I slaved over these things, made them, worked on them. We'll come back to these scriptures. And here is a picture of my crepes, okay? This is what I made. And I brought them into her, kind of rolled them up, cream cheese filling. And I put a rose on the tray, got her juice and got everything, her coffee. And I brought it into her. And guess what? I was feeling pretty good on Valentine's Day. I was thinking like, yeah, I'm the man. I didn't just go to Denny's to get it and then take it home, put it on a plate, and pretend like I made it. Some of you guys are like, oh, man, you're ratting me out. Yeah, and I know what you do. But no, no, I made this, okay? Not Megan, not Austin. I did this, and I was feeling great. I was like, oh, man, this is going to be a great day. Until one of my buddies made this. I said, really, man? Really? How do I compete with that? Mine didn't look anything close to that. Mine looked like, well, we won't go into great detail, but my wife is an awesome wife because she actually ate it. My kids wouldn't eat it, but she ate some of it. And so you can see this culture of comparison. It's all across the board. I got a definition for you of Pinterest because I hate Pinterest. I don't know about anybody else, but I despise Pinterest. And here's, here's how Pinterest, here's my definition of Pinterest. A lot of people have their definition. Here is mine, okay? This is my definition of Pinterest. A place to create boards of food I will never make. 
clothes I will never fit into, crafts that I'm too lazy to make, a 24-hour reminder that my kids aren't as well-dressed as your kids, my home is decorated terribly, I did a horrible job planning my wedding, and that my life is tedious, monotonous, painfully dull existence that is slowly sucking the life out of me. Unlike every one of you whose life is categorically awesome. See, that's my definition. You see, that's how I see it. Because why? The culture of comparison. That's how it works, folks. We're just constantly wound up about it. And this morning, I want to quit comparing. Touch your neighbor and say, I quit comparing. I quit comparing. I quit comparing. And just in case they missed it, you could say it a little bit louder. Stop comparing me, okay? Stop comparing. This morning, we're going to break free from that. Because, get this, Christian, comparison kills my contentment. All day long. My contentment. Every time I start comparing, everything's fine with my life until I start comparing. My car ran just fine until I saw your car. Then all of a sudden, my car's not so good. Hey, you know, my golf clubs were just fine until I saw your brand new tailor-made golf clubs. Then mine didn't look so good. All of a sudden, I'm walking with my wife, and all of a sudden you see somebody else, and then you think, oh, oh, well, well, mine doesn't look so so good. You see how this works? See how it works? This culture comparison, it starts out fun, but it gets gets worse. It gets worse. We need to deal with it. This one of your Bibles, if you have them, Luke chapter number 19. Luke 19. I'm sorry, 18. And I'm going to kind of go back and forth several passages. But Jesus is going to teach his, the, the, the Pharisees just kind of a lesson here out of the word of God. And in Luke chapter number 18, verse number 9, we'll read just a few verses. It's in your notes if you didn't bring a Bible or if you pull it up on your iPad or whatever device that you use. Luke chapter number 18, verse number 9. The Bible says, And he spake a parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee, the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee. Starts out a pretty good prayer, doesn't it? To thank God. I love that. We should always start our prayers with thanking God. But you know what? His prayer goes downhill real fast. Pick it up. I thank thee that I am not as other men. Who is this guy? The call of this guy. I can see this guy doing this, okay? I can see him finding somebody and walking by and saying, oh God, thank you. (laughs) That's what he's doing here, folks. See, Brett's a great guy. We had coffee the other day. He's awesome. He's great. I I love Brett. And irony's good, okay? She's working on fixing him. So it's just the sake of the illustration, okay? But I want you to get something, folks. He walked into church, and this is his mindset in church. It shows you that you and I, we can have the same mindset, can't we? You walk in, and you thought your dress looked really nice, your hair looked really good until you saw somebody else. You liked your outfit until you saw some other guy's outfit. You liked your haircut until you saw somebody else's, even in church. And you can walk into church and you can see, I don't know why that guy is singing so righteously and singing out. I know how he lived this week. Do you see how this goes? He's in church, but yet even in church, he's still comparing himself to somebody else. But it just gets a whole lot worse. And he said, I think that I'm not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. But then verse number 13, And the publican standing afar off 
would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven. Here's the exact antithesis of this Pharisee. Here's the other guy. He's saying, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I got issues. I know that my life's broken. I know that I'm falling apart. The Bible says he stood afar off. And he wouldn't even look to heaven. Have you ever felt so unworthy? Where you feel like, I'm not worthy to even look up to God? In a moment of deep brokenness? This is where that publican was at. He said, I'm not worthy to even look. He said in this passage, he even began to beat upon his chest as he looked down. And he said, I'm not worthy. Here's the Pharisee saying, hey, I'm so much better than everybody else. But then here's the publican. And he simply said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Two men came into the temple. Sounds like a joke, I know, but it's not. Two men came into the temple. One with an attitude of comparison. One came in simply needing something. I kind of think sometimes that's how we can come to church too. Sometimes instead of what can I give or what do I need, we just kind of come with the wrong attitude, come with the comparison attitude, what we need to come with the heart that simply says, I need something from God. In verse number 14, I tell you this, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. There's the first passage. I want to turn to one other real quick, and we're going to dive into the message in the moments that we have. John chapter number 21, verse number 18. Once again, we see another uh, situation of comparison. Jesus has just restored Peter after Peter went away and quit. He's fishing. And in verse number 18, the Bible says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, speaking of Peter, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou wert old, thou shalt stretch forth thine hands, and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. Then spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. This is Jesus talking to Peter, and he's telling Peter, just after he restored Peter, how Peter's going to die for the cause of Christ. And then he says, Peter, follow me. Follow me. But Peter doesn't really like his um, fortune here, his, his, his prophetic announcement. The Bible says, Then Peter turned about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved, following, which also learnt, leaned on his chest at supper, and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter seeth him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Once again, the spirit of comparison. Here's Peter. He's just been restored back into fellowship. Jesus tells him how he's going to be uh, killed, how he's going to be um, uh, murdered. And Peter, the first thing he can do is to try to compare himself to John. Now, John, understand, is the disciple that loved Jesus Christ. He's the disciple when everybody else said, Lord, is it me that's going to betray you? John said, Lord, who is going to betray you? Because John knew that it wasn't going to be him because the love that he loved Jesus. He said, no, it's not going to be me. So here's Peter. All of a sudden, there's a comparison battle against John. He's saying, here's John, the perfect one. You ever had an older brother, older sister that you thought was perfect? I've got one of those. And he's, 
He's perfect. I'm telling you what, you know, your hair will get all messed up. He'll walk through a tornado. His hair will be fine. Matter of fact, it might look a little bit better. You know, it's just one of those kind of guys. Everything's perfect that he touches. And so sometimes it's easy to compare yourself. And here's Peter comparing himself to John. Can I tell you, and I'm going to start it out again, comparison kills our contentment. Everything in your life will be going well until you start comparing. You say, I've got a contentment problem. No, you've got a comparison problem. That's what it comes down to. A comparison problem. Comparison kills my commitment. You see, I want you to notice that it's a pervasive problem, this comparison thing. Because in Luke chapter number 18, we see that this man, who this Pharisee came into the temple, and he's at church, and even that church where you think would be a place where you're safe from comparison, he walks in and he's still comparing. And that's some of us, some of our lives, we're just wrapped up, we're just everywhere we go, just comparing. Just constantly, how do I measure up? And some of you, you're just in bondage to that. You just feel like, I don't measure up. And it's just this pervasive spirit of comparing yourself. As soon as you pass a test, college student, you want to see, hey, what did that other student get? Because I want to be better than them. Hey, you did well at your job, so you'll go over to that other person. You try to compare. Hey, did I get more? I have some pastor friends, and, and they'll call me. How much did you have this Sunday? And I'm just like, really? Is this what we're, what we're all about? Is, is it going to come down to we're just going to kind of compare who's better based on a number? Because you and I, what we see as valuable, that's not the way God sees as valuable. And you and I, we can have the wrong agenda. And so what happens is we have this pervasive problem. You see, that Pharisee in Luke chapter number 18, at first he started out righteous. God, I thank you. But then it just turns inward real quick, doesn't it? This guy was obsessed with himself, wasn't he? Can I tell you, Christian? You and I cannot obsess over God. We're obsessed over ourselves. If you, everywhere you go, it's all about you, you, you. Where's room for God in that picture? There isn't. So here is a man, instead of going to the temple to worship God, to draw closer to God, he's obsessing over his own image because he walks into church and he's thanking God that he looks better, he acts better, doesn't do anything wrong. You know, some people, sometimes they'll, they'll say some stuff about our church and uh, they'll say some things and I'll hear about it. And it's kind of discouraging sometimes. But then, you know, I, I realized something the other day. They said, well, churches, your church has got hypocrites. It's got this kind of people. And I was like, no wonder I get along with them so well. Because I got issues too. And I got problems too. And we're not perfect. And here's what I learned. It's okay to not be okay. It really is. It's okay to be broken because we come to a Savior who can fix us. We need Jesus that draws us closer to him where we need him and depend on him even more. You see, when we have this pervasive problem, it makes us prideful and it'll make others resentful is what it does. Do you remember the passage where Saul got jealous of David because the ladies were singing that David had slain his ten thousands and Saul only his thousands? And the Bible says that Saul burned in his heart with jealousy towards David. Here in that same passage, all of a sudden, one person is doing well, and Saul has to compare himself. And instead of being okay with that, he starts getting resentful. And maybe that's some of us this morning. We're just a little resentful towards somebody who got a blessing. Somebody who something good happened to them. Instead of telling them, hey, praise the Lord, I'm excited for you. God's blessing you. Well, that's wonderful. We can get resentful. Because it's a pervasive problem. But really, it just comes down to, it's just a perception problem. That's really our issue. It's just a perception problem. It's how we see other things. Many times we think, hey, my life would be better if I had 
that, my life would be better. And that's, that's the mind game, so you start playing. My life would be so much better if I had that new car. Really, would it? New car payment, your life would be better? Paying all that extra, your credit score going down, your life really would be better. How much better is it really going to be? You have to have that car. Oh, my life would be so much better if I quit this job and had that job. Really? But these are the games we play with ourselves. Because we have this perception of it's all about me. And if I go there, if I do that, it'll make it better. We have this perception problem. Not only do we have this perception problem, we have a projection problem. You say, what do you mean? You're getting really preachy. This is a lot of peace here and everything. And I know, just hang with me just for a little bit, okay? You see, the projection is this. Everybody is projecting an image of the person they want to be. I project an image of the me I want to be. And that's the image I'm projecting. And you're seeing that on Facebook. You're seeing that on Instagram. Man, I'm telling you what, I can edit and Photoshop and doctor it up to make it look just so great. Hey, you know what? My Starbucks is just like your Starbucks. But I had a better filter on mine. That's why mine looked better. It's the same Starbucks, but we just put a filter on it. See how these things go? Everybody's just comparing and thinking their life is so much better. It's really not. It's just the edited version. You see, a lot of us, that's how we go around life. We just got this edited version of ourselves. Instead of coming to the place where you say, you know what, there's no Photoshop here. There's no filters. This is raw, unscripted, unrehearsed. This is it. And that's how we need to approach life in the sense of I'm done comparing. I'm going to set myself free from that. I'm done constantly having to project this image. Aren't we tired of trying to project this image of somebody we're not? Trying to project this image of we got it all together. Trying to project this image of life is just perfect. Now, I'm not saying we go around everywhere and just say, oh, man, my life is terrible. Please pray for me, please, and it's just so bad. No. But sometimes it's okay to just say, you know what? Somebody asks you, hey, how are you doing? And honestly tell them, not a pat answer. Come on, when somebody asks us, hey, how are you doing? I'm okay. We can hide what's really going on instead of saying, wait a minute, no. Hey, it's been a rough week. Things can happen. Instead of getting real with some people, we have this, this issue where we feel like we need to project something. See, we as a culture, as a city, as a church, as an individual, we're frustrating ourselves, wearing ourselves out, trying to project an image of perfection when only Jesus is perfect. And when we understand that Jesus is perfect and we understand that Jesus is in me, what, what else am I lacking? You say, well, those people won't like me if I don't have that. So you being filled with Jesus Christ and they don't like you, you know what? Hey, you've got Jesus Christ. That's a whole lot better when you start understanding the value of having Jesus Christ in your life. Far outweighs trying to project an image, trying to be somebody that you're not. You see, so comparison kills my contentment. Also, I want you to understand, comparison causes competition. It kills my contentment, but then it's going to cause this competition inside of me. You say, what do you mean a competition? You see, the normal response to a spirit of comparison is to have a spirit of competition. And some of us, that's what we're doing. We're just competing back and forth, back and forth. Genesis chapter number four. This is the beginning of civilization here. And the Bible says in verse number three of chapter four of Genesis, in the process of time that came to pass, that Cain brought up the fruit of the ground and offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he brought also the first things of his flock and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why are you mad? Why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, 
sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. Here was somebody, because of their comparison, because they weren't willing to deal with this issue that they had, that they had to compare themselves, it turned into this where they've just got to be better, this competition, and turned into resentment. And it turned into, I'm going to outdo them. And here Cain rises up and he slays his brother Abel. And some of us, you would never kill somebody, but somebody's having a good day and you're like, it's not that good. Your car's not that nice. Your wedding wasn't that big. See how we do it? We just kind of jab a little bit. Just kind of got to get them. Your new job's really not that cool. They give you free soda. They give you free food. That's, who cares? We, we're just like, oh, we're not all that overwhelmed. We're not all that pressed. Even though in the back of our mind, we're like, man, I wish I had that. But we've got to one-up everybody. We've got to, hey, whatever your story is, my story's got to be better. Hey, you got a hole-in-one? Oh, you know what? I did a hole-in-one and I didn't even have to swing. The ball just magically, by the power of the Holy Spirit, went into the hole. Beat that. we just got to one-up people. Whatever their story is, whatever their sale is, whatever their home is, whatever their children look like, we just feel like, man, the spirit of competition. The sad thing is that we're competing with people and nobody's really giving score. For what? So your picture's nicer. So your children look nicer. What do you win? Dr. Phil, famous words. How's that working out for you? How's the comparison working? How's the comparing somebody else's spouse with your spouse? I bet that really blesses your spouse, doesn't it? Oh, if you were only like so-and-so. There's something that'll help a marriage. When we just compare, compare, compare. Instead, we say, you know, I'm done with comparing because also the spirit of comparison, it'll leave us also, if we don't have this competitive attitude, here's the other side. Here's the other side. We either are competitive, I'm going to be better than you, or we go complacent, that I am better, so I don't have to do anything. I just go complacent. I am a better Christian, so I don't need to pray. I'm a better Christian, I went to church a whole lot last month, so I don't need to go this month. I'm a better Christian, so there's things that I just don't have to do. And we just go complacent. I'm a better Christian. I walk with God. Hey, I tithed last month, so I don't need to read my Bible. I don't need to love my spouse. Hey, I don't need to walk with God. And we just go complacent. So there's this double-edged sword when we compare. Either we get really competitive, or we just kind of get complacent. Or there's this another avenue where we, we feel a spirit of condemnation. You ever done that? You compare yourself with somebody so much better, you just feel like, well, why even try? What's the point? They're so much better. Why even keep going? Why? What's the point? You used to coach basketball. And then you would have these junior high teens, and man, they wouldn't, one bad move, and they just want to sit on the bench and quit. They just want to give up. And you're just like, no, no, no. It's, it's, it's one failure. It's, it's not your life. It's just one little thing. Let's work through it. Then, oh, it's over. I had one guy, he got thrown out of the game because the ref called a foul on him and he took the ball and he just chucked it right at the ref and the ref was like, you're out, man. I'm not putting up with that. Just couldn't handle it. Just, just couldn't deal with it. And he felt so much condemnation. And maybe that's how you feel. You feel like, I can't measure up. And maybe that's why for you, you, when you look at church, for you, you feel like, I just don't measure up to all those good Christians. And maybe that's for you. You felt the spirit of condemnation where you're like, 
man, I, when I look at those other Christians, they look like they got it all together. They're so well-dressed. They're so friendly. They're so nice. And the husband and wife look so happy together. And their children just seem so perfect. If you could only see my children this morning, last night, you would think, yeah, totally different. One of you guys was um, watching my kids. You were like, I, I don't believe it. Your kids are perfect. And I said, no, they're not. Trust me, no, they're not. Because we can put up this front, and we can have this attitude, condemnation, but then it just holds us captive. It holds us captive. And we need to come to the point where we understand, like Colossians chapter number 2, that I am complete in Jesus Christ. So my status and my significance is not dependent on me, on my performance. It's not dependent on how competitive I can be and how much better I am than somebody else because I am trusting in the Lord. And lastly, comparison corrupts my calling. See what it all comes down to is Jesus had told Peter, hey, follow me, Peter. Just follow me. You see, our problem is that we have wandering eyes, don't we? That's our problem. We get distracted and we get online and we start looking at somebody else and then we start wanting it. Eve's problem in Genesis was that she saw that it was good for food. She saw it, then she wanted it. It starts with the scene, starts with the eyes. And so sometimes Jesus is telling Peter, he's saying, hey, Peter, just follow me. Keep your focus on me and you're going to be fine. This is what I want to say to you, church, this morning. You say, I got this comparison problem. How do I deal with this? Eyes on the Lord. Eyes on him. Because here's Jesus saying, hey, it's about a calling. It's not about a comparison. And we're missing out on our, comp- on our calling as long as we're comparing with other people. We're missing out on what God has called us to. Because we are trying to live and to be somebody else that we're not. We're trying to dress and act and do things a certain way. And can I tell you, Christian, God does not bless who I pretend to be. God does not bless me if I have tried to be one of you. God doesn't bless me if I try to be some other pastor. God doesn't bless you by trying to cook like Martha Stewart, trying to raise kids like James Dobson. God doesn't look down at you and say, hey, you are going to be blessed because you're just like so-and-so. No, the lesson for us is say, God, who do you want me to be? Who am I? But as long as you're busy comparing your talent with somebody else, I wish I could sing maybe like somebody like Duck. I wish I could sing like that, but I can't go around the rest of my life just, oh, man, I just, if I could just sing like that. If I could just be there, if I could just reach that level... That holds me back. And then I miss out on the calling that God has for my life. But the moment I embrace what God has for me, it frees me, Christian. It'll free you because some of you, you're living under this bondage, this imprisonment, this captivity of this comparison syndrome, this constant culture of just comparing. Everywhere you go, just comparing. Hey, what did they think of me? Hey, how did I measure up there? You're driving home and talking with your spouse and the whole thing is just, hey, what... What do you think that went? Did I, did I do everything just right? Did I say everything just right? That's why I love my wife. She's brutally honest with me. Keeps me very humble. Keeps me very in check. It's a blessing. Trust me, it is. <laughs> but it's good to have that person that says, hey, why are you comparing yourself? Because based on Ephesians chapter number 2, verse number 10, the Bible says that we are approved by God. What more do I need? Do I need the approval of somebody else? Or do I think that I've got to chase something else because I'm, that's going to make me worthy before God? Ultimately, it comes down to this, okay? As we're comparing, we're saying, God, you made a mistake, so I've got to see how I can fix your mistake. So I need to be able to sing like them, need to be able to talk like them, need to be able to act like that person because you made a mistake on me. 
And so I'm trying to fix it. So I got to compare what am I supposed to be with everybody else. And that's your life. Instead of saying, you know what? God made me to be me. And I'm going to embrace that. Instead, you're just walking around life just trying to, hey, who, who am I? Find myself. Instead of understanding, wait a minute, God has given me a specific calling, and I'm going to follow that calling. A calling is not something God wants you to do. It's something God wants you to be, Christian. God wants you to be. He wants you to be content. He wants you to learn to stop comparing. But too often, we're too busy comparing, competing, complaining, copying everybody else. We're missing out on our calling, what God has for us. When's the last time that God spoke to you? So the Pharisee walked into the temple that day. And he got nothing. Because Jesus said, the publican walked out. And this man was justified. Church meant something. Something happened in there. And for us, if we just come in to church and we're just kind of, oh, you know, just whatever... Instead of saying, wait a minute, I don't need to compare. I'm coming in because I need something from God. And all of a sudden, the experience totally changes. Christian, how do we experience church this morning? God wants us to set us free from the spirit of comparison. Because it is a pervasive problem, not only just at home. Hey, isn't it amazing? We live in the richest nation in the world. Okay, We've got everything. Anything we want, we can get. You don't even have to make a lot of money, and you can still own a car. You can still own a house. You can still have the latest iPhone. Your kids can still have decent clothes. You can still have food on the table. You can still go out to eat every once in a while. You can still do a lot in this country. We have so much, even those that think they have so little. So why is suicide on the rise? Why are so many people on antidepressants when we have so much? Because they're looking at somebody else. And they're saying, oh man, I thought six figures was enough, but I guess not. I thought two cars was enough, but I guess not. And all of a sudden now they feel like there's something missing. Something broken inside of them. Something that they absolutely have to have. I broke my iPhone last week and it still works just fine. Silly illustration, I know. But are we just constantly consumed with latest and greatest, the next thing, instead of saying, wait a minute, like the Apostle Paul, Philippians chapter number four, I have learned in whatsoever state I am, there we to be content. I've learned it. It doesn't happen just instantly. It's a learned, developed behavior. It's just like the behavior of comparison. If we would get to that point, would Lord just help me this week not to compare? Help me as I get on Instagram not to want to compare. Help me not to, as I go into the mall, just want to compare. I feel bad for my daughter growing up and watching on television where she feels like she's got to look just like a Barbie doll or something. Like she's got to be perfect. I feel bad that my son, he's going to grow up in a culture that he feels like he's got to look and act just a certain way. And he's got to act like he's 18 or 21 by the time he's 13. I don't want them in the, because it all starts with comparison. Instead of understanding who I am in Christ, it goes back to our identity series. It goes back to just being secure in who God has called me to be and what God wants of me. This morning, Christian, where are you at on this thing with comparison? 
Will you be able to say this morning, I quit comparing. I'm done. Because it's cost me so many problems. It's not helping me. Every head bowed and every eye closed this morning.